Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. My name is Adam. I'm the volunteer coordinator here at DHC. I'd also like to just say thanks to everybody who's watching online. Thanks for joining us. It's going to be an exciting morning. It's already been an exciting morning here at DHC. We are week six in the middle of this series, conversation, talk, whatever you want to call it, called Let's Try This Again. And for the last five weeks or so, John, who's our lead pastor, has been unpacking some of these principles about almost rebuilding our faith and taking a look at some of those foundational building blocks of our faith that many of us may have gotten wrong over the course of time, or maybe some of us confused over the course of time, or maybe some of us have been involved in different religions over the course of time, or maybe we were a part of the church as a kid and we decided to walk away and we found our way back to the local church as an adult. I don't know what your circumstance is, but I do just know this, is I know that somewhere along the way, we have to begin to ask this question. If we're going to understand Christianity and we're going to understand the Bible for what it is and what it teaches and how to apply that into our daily lives, and here's the question that we've been asking. What would it look like if we were to rebuild our faith as adults? And so we've been talking about a lot of those issues that kind of are these principles or these building blocks that, okay, if we were going to go back and look at our faith, how would we rebuild this to make sure that we have some of those principles or those pieces in place that allow us to go forward, right? Let's try this again, the name of the series. How do we do that? And so today I'm going to talk about one of those issues that I think is so important and so relevant and so prevalent in our faith and that many of us have been confused on over the course of time, right? Many of us have been confused on this one issue, and I'm not even going to put the issue up yet because I want to take a second and go back to it and and land there and kind of land the plane and talk about this one issue. But the truth is, this one issue is something that we have talked about for a long period of time in our faith and maybe even in other religions or maybe even in different sects of Christianity because there's some different opinions on this issue that we're going to talk about today, rebuilding our faith. So here's a question I have for you as we kind of open up. Have you ever bargained with someone? Have you ever stopped and bargained with someone? And the answer is, more than likely, sure you have. Maybe you're a kid in the room, and you're like, man, I really have tried to bargain with my parents to get what I want, and that doesn't normally work, right? Or maybe you tried that as a kid, and you're like, man, I really think I can play mom against dad, and I can go one against the other. Maybe you did that as a kid. Maybe you've tried to play your boss or negotiate with your boss or bargain with your boss for more money or your employer for more money, right? I don't know. Maybe you bargain with your spouse about some things. Maybe that's something that you do consistently. If you are married, maybe you're not married anymore and you once were and you're like, man, that bargaining thing really didn't work out for me. That's why I'm not married anymore. Like, I don't know where that is, like where where you land there. But so I just have to tell you a quick story. So um, I'm married to a gal named Caitlin. We've been married for 11 years, two days ago on the 11th. It was our anniversary. I don't know if that warrants a round of applause or not. That was not a cheap pop request, right? However, I appreciate it. And so it's interesting, though, because in our last couple of years of marriage, Caitlin and I have really, especially since we moved into our new condo together here in Fort Lauderdale, we've been just doing some bargaining together and like really trying to figure out where each of us fit in this marriage now that it's over 10 years in. And so one of the things that we've kind of worked on together is we've just kind of looked at some things that maybe you could do this, maybe I could do this. And so if you're, if you're married or in a relationship, maybe you can relate to this. Like, do you ever have a circumstance where something breaks in your house or like a light bulb goes out? And uh, like, for me, it's one of those things where I'm not very handy. You may look at me and go, man, that looks like a handy guy, right? 
but I'm not very handy. And so anyway, so what happens when this happens is that I just kind of bargain with Caitlin. I'm like, hey, do you want to change that light bulb? Do you want me to change that light bulb? And she's like, well, kind of make your case for me. Why should I change the light bulb? And I always say the same thing. Man, you're really good at changing light bulbs. Like, it's, you do a fantastic job of changing those light bulbs. And so oftentimes she'll be the one to do that. Also, I don't know if in your house you experience what we experience, but we lose the remote control a lot to the like television. And so, first of all, I have to vent for a moment just because I've got a microphone, so I'm going to vent. I don't understand in 2019 why there are still so many remote controls for my TV. Like, I have one for the TV. I have a universal remote. I have an Apple TV remote. I have a soundbar remote, and I have a cable. Why can we not figure this out? I apologize. I just was getting a little fired up there about the remotes. But... So inevitably, we will lose one of the remotes. Maybe you do this as well. And like, I'm, we're like, man, I can't find the remote. And so Caitlin will, I'll often say to Caitlin, hey, could you find the remote? And she'll be like, why don't you find the remote? And I'll go, because you're really good at finding the remotes. I don't know how you do it, but you're great at finding. That is code for I don't want to find the stinking remote, okay? So recently, uh, I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I'm in the travel industry full time in my life. And because I am, Caitlin and I get a chance to take a lot of cruises. And so we were on a cruise a couple weekends ago with some folks from the organization. And when it comes time to check in for the cruise, have you ever checked in for a cruise? It's brutal, right? Because you got to go online and you got to take a picture of yourself full name, date of birth, and you got to get the passports. You got to put in the passport numbers, passport issue date, passport expiration date. Then you got to put in your credit card for the onboard account. It's a whole thing. So when we were having the conversation one morning, we were having our coffee, I was said to Caitlin, hey, we got to check in for this cruise. Would you mind checking in for the cruise today? Because I got a busy day. And she looked at me and she said, you know, you're really good at checking in for the cruise. Could you do that? And I was like, yeah, all right, I can do that. I asked, I, I'm check, good at checking in for the cruise. The point is, is that eventually it comes back around, doesn't it? Eventually bargaining with somebody comes back to bite you eventually when it comes back to stare you straight in the face. So let's talk about bargaining for a second. Because you may bargain with a lot of people in your life, but I can also probably pinpoint one person, one entity that you've tried to bargain with over your course of time here on this earth, and that's God. We've all tried to bargain with God, haven't we? God, and maybe you found yourself in a bad set of circumstances. Maybe you found yourself in an unideal set of circumstances that you want out with. God, I, I, I just, I, I got to tell you this one. If you get me out of this, right, I will never do that again. If you get me out of this, I will volunteer at the church, right? If you get me out of this, I will serve homeless people, right? God, and it's kind of like this. God, if you will, right, I promise I will. God, if you will, I promise I will. And that's what's so important. God, if you do this for me, I promise I will do this for you. Maybe one night you had a little too much to drink and you were out. And all of a sudden there was somebody behind you and you're like, God, I, I, if that is not a cop, right? I promise, like if the flashing lights don't go on, I promise I will never do this again. Like, you know, maybe you pray, God, if that is a Toyota Corolla and not a Crown Vic, like I will, I will never... Right? Maybe that was you. Or maybe, maybe you got physically intimate with somebody that you shouldn't have. And you're like, God, if she is not pregnant, right? Or maybe you're on the other side of it and you're like, if I am not pregnant, God, by the way, I would advise you to make wise decisions. I would not participate in that. That will cause a lot of drama in your life sometimes, right? But what I'm saying, you got to figure that out. But what I'm saying is, is that a lot of us tend to go, God, if, if I'm not, or if you're the, you know, the guy in the situation, if she's not, I will never again, God, right? Have you ever been there? Maybe it's with a job and you've been, you've cut a corner or two. 
And you're like, I, God, if they don't find out about this, if you let me off the hook this time, I will never again. I will do whatever you ask me to do. And the truth is, a lot of us have been there. And I think that if we weren't being honest with ourselves and if we weren't staring ourselves straight in the face in the mirror and we could kind of play ourselves that we haven't been there, but oh, we have. And the truth is, before we even talk about, you know, what this means, when we do this, when we bargain with God, I just want to talk about some very brief assumptions that we make when we do this. Because a lot of times we just don't even realize what we're doing when we bargain with God. So let's talk about some assumptions, which I think are so important. First of all, when you bargain with God, especially because we're talking about rebuilding our faith and what it looks like to put the building blocks back together for our faith... When we do this and we bargain with God, there's some assumptions that we have to look at. The first assumption is this. God knows you exist. Isn't that interesting? A lot of times we don't think about that. But when you're bargaining with God and you're making that deal with God, God, I'll do this if you get me out of this. God, is that you're under the assumption that God actually knows you exist. The second assumption is maybe even more interesting. The second assumption is that you have something God wants, Right? Isn't it interesting that you think as a human being that when you're bargaining with God, that God's up there with a pad and paper going, boy, Bill, he's got something I need, right? I, I, need, I need something from him. God, you have something God wants. Let me tell you what I believe to be a harsh reality about this. And we're going to talk about this throughout the course of the day. This is so key. God does not negotiate, okay? God does not negotiate for a very specific reason. God does not negotiate because he doesn't want something from you. And as we talk about this foundational principle of our faith that some of us are confused on, I told you I was going to bring it up. God does not negotiate with you because he doesn't want something from you. Because if when we were negotiating with God, he wanted something from us, then our faith would solely be based on works. And the truth is, the fact of the matter is, is that God doesn't want something for, from us. Nothing that we can physically do over the course of time can get us closer to him. Those are called works. God doesn't want something from you. Do you know what he wants? He wants something for you. And when he wants something for you, that is called a different thing than works. It is called grace. And this is so important of the works versus grace. And you can interchange the word faith and mercy for grace all you want. But this is what we're going to talk about today. One of these foundational principles of our faith that many of us have been confused on over the course of time. Because there is a pretty standard thought or a pretty standard view out there in religions or even in different sects or denominations of Christianity that isn't all I have to do is do good. Isn't all I have to do is do good or, or do things or to get closer to God? Well, the Apostle Paul, who is one of those people, if you don't know about Paul, he's a phenomenal, interesting guy who lived thousands of years ago, who uh, was one of these religious leaders of the time, who had a conversion moment with Jesus, became a Christian, and then started following after Jesus. In fact, he might be, if you could call him, one of the most famous Christians ever. And he wrote over half of the New Testament in the Bible. And in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, is where we're going to pick up today about what the Apostle Paul has to say about this very issue as we look at works versus faith. Interchange that with grace and mercy, whatever you want. Works versus faith. And here's what he said in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, 
verse 1. He said, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Think about this, right? Let me, let me kind of summarize this. We were far from God and God was far from us. We were dead. We've done something really bad and really stupid. And we got to go, God, how are you going to get me out of this? We are at the lowest of lows. And the truth is, most of us in life have been there at one point in time or another. But he goes on in the book of Ephesians and he says this, but, chapter, verse 4 and 5, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ when we were dead in transgressions. It is by your grace that you have been saved, okay? So here's what I want you to know about this. As you negotiate and you bargain with God and you have these conversations about your life here on earth and what it looks like, you don't have to negotiate with God. You don't have to negotiate with God. And so many of us are confused by this. And so many of us have had these moments where we're like, man, I need to figure out how to make this right with God. God, if you get me out of this, I promise I will never do this again. I promise I will serve. I will do whatever you ask me to do. And God is sitting up there, and I don't even know where up there is, but he's probably thinking because this is history that he's laid out for us. He doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. And that's the point. That's the truth about this. And we confuse this related to different religions and what we hear in the media and different denominations in Christianity. But this is so true, right? He goes on in the book of Ephesians Chapter 2, verse 8, and he says this, for it is, don't miss this, so key, right? For it is by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. What does that mean? Meaning you can be down and out all you want. You can be at the end of your pitiful rope. And the only thing that will save you is a single act of faith. A single act of faith. And that faith is very simply saying yes to believing that Jesus, who is the Messiah, is that he said that he was. That he was God's chosen one and only son, that he walked this earth and predicted his own death and resurrection and then rose again. That single act of faith goes on and it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of, or the gift of God. So wait a second. Let's talk about the tension here, because I love these moments because they're filled with tension. Adam, are you, are you saying, are you, and I like to ask myself questions here, like this is what I do during the week when I write these, is like I ask myself this question because I assume that if you're hearing this, you might be asking the same question as well. And, and I might be asking, like, I asked myself this question, Adam, are, are you telling me that it's all about faith and what I do doesn't matter? First of all, it is all about faith, but what you do does matter. Oh, no, don't confuse things. You, if you go out there and you sin and you make unwise decisions and you do things that you know that you shouldn't, hear me loud and clear, there are consequences. There are consequences that you will pay. There are things that you will have to go through because of this. Don't misunderstand this, that this is all about faith, but not about decisions. Oh, yes, it is. But the question 
that we have to go further with this idea is what standard will you use to determine where you stand with God? You ever think about this? This is so interesting. What standard will you use to determine where you stand with God? So let's ask a couple of questions here. Your behavior? I wouldn't want it judged on my behavior, right? And, 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 and I know, if I know some of you, like I think I know some of you, had conversations and lunches and coffees over the course of time, we probably wouldn't want it judged on our behavior where we stand with God, right? Would we want it based on our behavior or how about God's grace? Which one, our behavior or God's grace? Let me, let me say that a different way. Do you want your standing with God based on what you do for you? Because we know we could never do enough. Or what God has done for you. Which one do you want? Because you can't have it all. And God lays it out pretty clearly in terms of works versus faith, grace, mercy, and what we are to do to actually achieve salvation, being saved. And what does that look like? Because the truth is, is that a lot of us over the course of time, whether we grew up in the local church or whether we didn't grow up in the local church or however our journey took us back here. If you're like me, you've probably even explored another religion. You've probably researched another religion, even if it's just based on historical purposes. You're probably like, what are these group of people doing over there? How does this work? How does this apply? And you want to know the one thing that I think that I have just seen over and over again about every other single religion that exists on this earth, all the religions that I've seen and that I've studied is about a specific thing. It's about do. It's about you have to do. And I'm going to talk about the tension here in just a second. All the religions that I've seen other than Christianity, the Christian faith, is about do. You have to do this. When you do this, you have achieved this. You must go here to this place. You must participate in this act. It's about doing. The Christian faith is about it being done. And that's the truth. And that's the key. Because when Jesus died and then confirmed that he was the Messiah by rising from the grave... He proved that he was who he said that he was. So let's talk about this for a second. Let's talk about the idea of works versus faith. Remember I told you I was going to go back to this controversial topic. This is it. Some of the things that we might be confused about. Let's talk about works versus faith. Because even amongst Christian circles, there is a decent amount of confusion based on this particular issue. So let's talk about works, right? works in this life, even amongst Christians, as you're bargaining with God, what they are is they're basically your bargaining power. God, do this for me because I've done this, right? They are basically your bargaining power. Do this for me because I've done this. And furthermore, we tend to say about works, we tend to go, well, God, if I'm going to participate in this, and, and I know the way that I can get closer to you is that if I just commit to do good things, and so here's where the tension comes in. And this is why this is so key for us to understand, because so often we think that the doing of the good things are what get us closer to God, but the truth is, is that we could never, ever, no matter how much we do, do enough good things to get exactly there. Because you could do a lot of good things in your life, 
And there's a lot of people in this church who do a lot of good things. You could feed the homeless, right? There's a lot of people who, even in this church, go, man, I need to reach into the homeless crisis in our city. And again, have you noticed out there it seems to be getting better? I don't know if you've seen that or you're like, no, that guy's nuts. You haven't been on the street that I've been on. But I feel like it's getting a little better in our city. I feel like our city and people, even in our own church, are trying to do what they can to help with this situation. Maybe you feel called to that in your life. Maybe you feel called to, like, rescue some animals. And maybe that's your calling, like you were sitting watching Wheel of Fortune and you saw that dog after Hurricane Katrina, they keep playing that commercial over and over again, and they got tears. I see some people out there rolling who know me personally, and you got tears, you know, running down your face, and so does the dog, and you're going, man, I need to jump into that. That's, okay. that's good. You should do that, okay? I believe in that. Maybe you need to give to others. Maybe it's one of those things where you're like, man, I feel like I've been blessed financially and I need to give to other people. Right now, I want to pour into their life, or maybe I just need to give to them emotionally. Maybe I've been through some stuff, and I want to give to others. Here, here's what I want you to know. Faith and doing good things are not mutually exclusive. I'm not saying that do go doing good things you should not do. Here's what I want you to know. You should do good things. You should do those things. You should get out there. You should do more good things, especially after you've said yes to Jesus and made that decision and crossed the line of faith. We're going to talk about that in a second. But you should do good things. But here's what I want you to know. Good things will not save you. They won't. And we're going to talk about why in a second. But one of the things that I love is this quote from one of the most famous guys in the history of Christianity, John Wesley. And here's what it says. Do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the ways you can and all the places you can and all the times you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can. John Wesley. He's going, man, you should do some. That was fun. Let's do that again, okay? <laughs> do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the ways you can and all the places you can and all the times you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can. John Wesley. You should do good things. You should allow your faith to lead you into amazing and good things. And you want to know why you should do good things? Man, you want to do good things so people can see God is good. You want to do good things so that people can see that God is amazing and good and all those things. And in fact, you should allow the faith that you have in your life and in your heart pour out of your veins into a broken world that so desperately needs to see God is good. That's why you should do good things, not because good things will save you. But then, let's talk about faith. Let's take a look at the book of Romans. One of the most powerful passages of scripture in the entire Bible that talks about salvation. Romans chapter 10. Here's what it says, verses 9 and 10. I love this. It's so powerful. It says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For, it goes on, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. He lays it out right there. That when you actually confess from mouth that Jesus is Lord and that he died and rose again and that you believe that, that by faith alone you are made right in some mysterious mystical way that we don't even always understand you are made right with the creator of the universe that this was the miraculous plan from the beginning of time 
And that's when we experience this thing that many of us debate about what this means and how to even put it into words or even wrap our mind around it. But that's what we call this thing called salvation. And salvation that we understand from the Christian Bible, the Christian scripture, is based on grace, not works. Based on grace, not just good things. Let me backtrack for a second. Let's just stop and wrap our mind around this because in my mind, when we wrote this this week, I started to argue with myself. I started to go, wait a second, is that, is that, is that uh, even though I know I believe that in my heart, really, let's, let's talk about the practical related to that, right? So salvation is based on grace, not works. Let's just stop for a second. Let's say it is about works. Let's say it is about doing good things and going out there and actually putting good things out into the world and helping other people. Let's say it is based upon works. You will spend the rest of your life wondering where you stand with God. You will spend the rest of your life wondering, have I done enough? Have I done enough? Do I need to do more? How much do I need to do? Do I need to go out and do more good things? Do I need to give more money? Do I need to give of myself to other people? I simply don't know because there is no barometer. How much do I have to do? God, I'm in a bad set of circumstances. Do I need to do more for you to get me out of this? What do I need to do? You want to talk about a system that will totally up therapy in Fort Lauderdale? Let's put that system into place because you'll never be able like, I'm going to go be a therapist. I'll make good money, right? Because you can't figure it out based on that. I don't know how much you got to do. How much do you got to do? Is it different for you or me? I don't really know. What do you know? I don't, it sounds like debating who can change a light bulb in a marriage, okay? Fired up. It's the truth. You'll spend the rest of your life wondering where you stand with God. I don't want to know where I stand with God. I want to know exactly where I stand. And then let's talk about doing good. Let's talk about works. Because in a system of works versus faith or a system of works versus grace, sometimes we wonder, well, what does doing good mean then? What does helping others actually mean then? When you talk about doing good and you talk about works and you talk about those things in your life that we should be doing to help other people, that means that what we should be doing is we should be doing good, right, because we want to, not because we have to. That means that because we say yes to Jesus, those of us who've crossed the line of faith, that we would actually allow Jesus in our life to transform our heart and our mind so much that we would go out there and to show other people how good Jesus is and how good God is, not because some rule or law or book or transcript told us we had to, but because our life has been transformed and we want to. That's the difference. Don't misunderstand this because works versus faith is a different system of going, I have to do this to get right with God. God, I don't know how to get me out of this one. Help me. What do I do? You're so far away. What can I do to climb the ladder to you? Versus faith where you're going, God, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say that you are. And I've crossed the line of faith. Now I can't do anything else but let that love and grace and restoration and redemption swell up in my life so I can go do that for other people. That's the difference between works and faith. 
That's the difference in this practical, foundational building block of Christianity. And gang, don't miss this, because there are even different denominations and different sects of Christianity that get this wrong. That it is about works and not faith. And so we have to understand this as we try this again. As some of us who've been away from church for a decent period of time, or maybe you're watching online and you're going, man, I haven't heard this in a while because I've been checked out. I'm not engaged anymore. Maybe you are one of those people who you're like, I really needed this because I've been doing, trying to do things to get closer to God. And it's not working. I'm never, I'm never going to get there. So in this series, as we wrote the practicals, we started to kind of dive into some questions about you and where you're at. So what's the practical today? This is an important question for us to stop and, and actually understand. Because one of the things that we pride ourselves on at Downtown Harbor Church is that you would sit in a room just like this or watch online and hear a message just like this and you would hear a message and then put it into practice the very next day. We kind of say that you would put into practice on Monday what you learned about on Sunday. So in this series, we started to ask some questions. Because we understand that for some of you, you may have heard this long ago, and you may get this, and you may go, I got that, understood, I'm in. And for some of you, as we figure out how to try this again and rebuild our faith, you might actually go, man, I haven't heard this in a while, I need to get this right. So as we just ask a very simple question for the practical today, I want you to go from here. And then I want you to actually reflect on this and I think reflecting on your own faith journey is so, so important as it relates to life. So here's the question. Looking back over your life, did you ever think it was based on works and not grace? And if you did, what was the difference? How did you live then versus how you live now? You know, whenever we put up a question like this, I'm always struck by a phrase that allows us to reflect. And, and what I love about this phrase is this first line. Nope, go back for me. Looking back over your life. You ever do that? Because what I love about Downtown Harbor Church is some people ask me about our demographic is I love that we have folks from all ages here at DHC. Some of our core people are some of our most senior folks. And then we have people all the way down to the youth of the world. And I love looking back over our life because it gives us a chance to reflect. No matter how old you are, no matter how much you've lived, no matter if you've lived a long, long life or you're just starting out, but we just look back and we go, was there ever a time I got this wrong? What was the difference? What was the difference in the way that I lived versus the way that I lived once I understood that it was about faith and grace and mercy in believing that Jesus is who he said that he was and then I started to get it right? What does that look like for you? Here's just one of the things that I believe. I believe about salvation. And we can debate what this word means and talk about this, what this word means and pick this word, about, here, here, pick this word apart. Here's just what I believe. I believe salvation is based on grace, not works. There's a lot of people who would disagree. I don't know how they come to that argument based on reading the scripture. But there's a lot of people who would go, let's have a conversation about that. Because sometimes what people would understand and say is that salvation is based on grace, not works. What we would be saying is that works doesn't matter, that works don't matter. In fact, in the scripture, it also says that faith without works is dead. 
So therefore, as you go out there and you do good, as you go out there and you do all the good you can for all the people you can and all the ways you can and all the places you can. I didn't memorize the whole thing. I had to stop. Like I couldn't get my mind to the next line. But like whatever it is, like we should, we should do that. As you go out there and do that, let your faith guide and lead you there. Don't let that just be a system for you to get to God. Let God entering your heart and life live there long enough that you can't wait to let that overflow out into other people. That's the point. Works do matter. There's, look at the life of Jesus. He spent his life pouring into the lives of other people. They absolutely matter, but without faith, they're just a stepping stone to get to God, and you're never going to get there. That's why we have to understand that salvation is based on grace, faith, mercy, not just works. It's so key. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray as we close this message. And if you've never crossed the line of faith and that's something you want to do today, whether you're online or you're here in the room, um, I'm just going to lead us in a very simple prayer. Maybe you're going, man, I thought it was about works for way too long and I really need to cross the line of faith that I will say yes to believing that Jesus is who he said that he was. And maybe you are also just kind of struggling with this issue and you're like, I don't get this. I don't understand this. I don't agree with this. I don't, uh, you know, I, I need someone to talk to about it. I'm just going to pray that God would put someone in your path to have a conversation with. Maybe it's someone from here. Maybe it's not. I don't know what that looks like, but I would just pray that you would help unpack this idea and this concept with someone in your life if you're struggling with it and how to put it into practice. Let me pray for us. God, first of all, uh, Lord, I just want to pray for anybody in this room who may not have yet crossed the line of faith, anybody listening who has not crossed the line of faith. That they, if they feel so led or if the time is right, that they may in their own heart say, Jesus, yes, I believe that you are who you say that you are. I believe you are the son of God who rose again and you conquered the grave so that I could live. It's as simple as just saying and believing that in your own heart. And God, I know that if there's anybody in here who did that today for the first time, that you are so going to answer that prayer and swoop into their life in a way with overwhelming joy in a way they could never explain. And Lord, I pray for anybody in this room who might be struggling with this idea today because God, I've struggled with this idea in my life. I pray that you would put people on our path or put people around us that we can have conversations with just to unpack it further, to talk about it further, to talk about what the scripture says, to talk about our opinions. God, help us to do that. DHC is all about conversations and dialogue, not just dogma. Help us to engage with each other as we do that Today, God, we pray, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.